0: The Midday
1: Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The
0: Midday Report.
1: Big court judgment today. We were anticipating this one. The Peter Maritsburg High Court setting aside former President Jacob Zuma's private prosecution of state advocates Billy Downer and the News 24 journalist Karen Morn. You may remember last September Zuma served them both with summonses to appear in court for this private prosecution. His argument fundamentally was that... They breached the NPA Act when the state leaked a doctor's note to Karen Morn, and that was filed with the courts as part of Zuma's corruption trial. So that document actually formed part of court papers. So Karen Morn and Billy Downer challenging those summonses. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, following this judgment today. Bernadette, take us through the key findings made by the judge.
2: Sure. So ultimately, the the sort of central finding is that um, the private prosecution is an abusive process. But there are various other important findings. Um, One of those has to do with the Nolly Prosequi certificates. We know that was a very contentious issue. Um, Originally, the first Nolly Prosequi certificate that he got, and this is a prerequisite for for launching a private prosecution, you have to have a Nolly Prosequi certificate, um, didn't mention Karen Morn by name. He subsequently got another one that um, essentially referred to anyone connected to this case. Case and on his version that covered um Karen Morn the court has now found that um those those nolly prosecute certificates do not cover her um and when it comes to and, and sorry hmm. to interrupt you but just to remind people a nolly prosecute certificate is a certificate that comes from the npa that says we're
1: not going to prosecute we've taken a decision not to prosecute so you can as a private
2: citizen prosecute yes and in terms of the legislation before you can institute private prosecution you have to have a nolly prosecute certificate it can't be enrolled without that and one of the things that the court said was he he went and he got the second nolly prosecute certificate um but that doesn't fix the fact that when he is when he at first brought the private prosecution, he didn't have one in place for, for Karen Morn. And there are obviously questions around the second one anyway, because it didn't refer to her by name. Um she wasn't mentioned in the complaint as as a suspect. She was kind of mentioned in passing. And so so um that's quite an important that's quite an important finding what the court said on the NALI prosecue certificates. It's also found that Zuma didn't have an injury that he could prove, so he didn't actually have standing, which was something thing that um, both Karen Moyn and Billy Downer had argued. Um, he had spoken about this unfair criticism that had been leveled against him afterwards. But the court found that that unfair criticism had nothing to do with this um, doctor's note, essentially finding its way to the media. But. What it was filed as part of a postponement application, and they found the unfair criticism was really centered on another postponement. Um, and then, like I say, yes, the abusive process findings. Um, he, the court, basically found with Billy Downer that this is an extension of the former president's Stalingrad tactic, um, and that it's an attempt mm. from the former president to prevent Billy Downer from doing his job, and that it's completely without merit. In um, Karen Moore's case, they found that the again ulterior motive, and um, that it was aimed at intimidating her, harassing her, preventing her from doing her job and freely reporting on his case. They spoke about press freedom it being a violation of her um, freedom of expression um, and ultimately just being a completely unsustainable meritless case. Importantly, the judge also awarded costs um, against Zuma. So
1: that means that the legal legal costs of uh, Karen Morn and News24 and uh, Billy Downer, of course, will be carried by Zuma. But the judge also very critical of of Zuba and his decision to bring
2: these private prosecutions. Absolutely. Um, They... They have, they have actually said, and I want to read it out. They've said, in our view, as the charge against Downer is unsustainable, we agree with the submission by Downer that the private prosecution is an attempt to further delay the criminal prosecution and prevent him from performing and executing, um, his duties. So the court has come out quite strongly and said, we see this as a delaying tactic, as nothing more than that. Um, and as you mentioned, there was a costs order. Costs generally follow the suit. Um, but I do feel that that is obviously to kind of show the court's, Mm. um, unhappiness with the way, with the way this has been handled.
1: Bernadette, thank you very much. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, looking at this. There's been much said about uh, how we, we keep seeing the abuse of the criminal justice system by, for example, former President Jacob Zuma and his Stalingrad tactics, but by other accused as well. We've heard the NPA raise concerns about this. How do we deal with it? And today's a prime example of the judiciary pushing back and saying enough is enough. This is an abuse it is a delaying tactic and that's exactly what the court has found here is that former president Jacob Zuma has used this private prosecution of the prosecutor and of the journalist Karen Morn as a delaying tactic and that's why he's been hit with a costs order
0: too The Midday Report
1: well, it's us stay in the courts. Uh, advocate Maricela Tefo, he who has been so controversial in the Senzo Miwa matter, the legal practice counsel against him uh, is back in court today. Remember that Maricela Tefo does remain disbarred. He is a disbarred advocate. He's been struck off the role of legal practitioners. Chomotso Modise, EWN reporter, following this matter first. us. good afternoon to you. What's happened in court today? Uh, why is uh, the LPC back in court on this issue?
3: Andy, so we went to court today with the hopes of, um, you know, hearing the matter being argued finally in the urgent court. You all know that the matter is on the urgent court roll, and that's because the LPC says, you know, it's unacceptable that Malisana Akewo, like, who is now a disbarred advocate, continues to present himself as an officer of the court even though he's been disbarred. However, today in court we heard um, the judge really saying that, you know, pointing out how. Um, and both parties in this matter have continued to file their papers until late last night. Uh, she said there was even filing uh, this morning. And she says there's a sense that this matter is being rushed. And because of the the, the the depth and really the weight of this matter, I mean, she points out how this is difficult life here. here. Um, she says the matter should not be rushed. And so she's proposed to all the parties involved but the matter really be postponed until the third term, which should start in July, in order for her to familiarize herself further with the matter at hand, but also to afford all the parties the opportunity to file their papers, um, you know, on time uh, for the matter to be heard. So what's going to happen now, Mandy, is that uh, we've been given new dates, or at least the court has pronounced new dates for all the parties involved to file their papers. There's a number of matters here that are, or parts in this matter. There's an issue around contempt, where so the LPC is taking Diffel to court for being in contempt by continuing to practice as a lawyer. There's a, there's a variation application. There's a, um, you know, there's a number of applications that he's bringing to court. And so he's going to file all those papers, and the answering of the are also going to be filed by the, uh, by the LPC, and then the matter will only be heard in July. What's really important, though, Mandy, is that in the interim, we heard Diffel's lawyers, that is, Advocate Gift Shakwana, really saying that he has Diffel's words that he will not continue to present himself As hmm. an officer of the court While the matter is still being heard In the high court
1: That was literally my next question Tso, was: it's How do you stop Melissa Tsepo From rocking up to court like he did in the Senzo Mioa trial and trying to pass Himself off as an advocate even though He's disbarred uh, and, and what happens To him if he does try and do that So you
3: know we heard that matter Being brought by um, the lawyer for the LPC that's advocate uh, Who really said that um, you know they need some something really um, some sort of a commitment to show that DeFO will not continue to come to court I mean we've seen him in robes, really even uh, addressing the court at some point however his lawyer advocate Shakwana really insisting that there is even an affidavit from thereforeFO where he commits To stop doing this. I mean, I don't know though if that's worth much because you already have him uh, struck off the wall, he's the spot, but that hasn't stopped him from coming to court. And so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, further steps the LTC takes or even the court if the court will take any steps, if people do continue
1: to dare and present themselves mm. as a lawyer of the court. Humoto, thank you. Modise, EWN reporter, speaking out to us there about the legal practice Council's matter against the disbarred advocate, Marisela Teofer, that was back in court today. There was, uh, they argued urgency. It has now been kicked down to uh, the third quarter, to the th- third term, uh, as they say in court uh, terminology. So that'll be heard later. Let's see. I do think that, uh, Marisela Tifa will listen. Do you think he'll try and uh, still appear uh, before courts? Let me know your thoughts.
4: On
5: 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking, specialists who enable your business growth
6: aspirations.
1: Well, let's go to Parliament. Now, two big things happening today. The one is the Public Protector Inquiry. There's been a lot of action there. Uh, Julius Malema arguing that the chairperson, Richard Gianti should be uh, recused. Um, but then also what we're seeing today is the Standing Committee on Public Accounts, Scoper, was supposed to hear from the Hawks investigator, uh, who has been responsible for looking at the allegations of corruption and theft and sabotage, all of those claims made by the former ESCOM CEO, Andre Dereta. we know you would have heard that there have been various hearings Scopa. Andre Dereta himself appeared before Scopa uh, virtually at least and then we heard from the head of the Hawks uh, Godfrey lebia we also um, have heard from the uh, head of the police lieutenant general Fani wasola today we were supposed to hear from a brigadier Burger who has been mentioned throughout Brigadier Burger did not rock up today. Have a listen to Police Commissioner Fadi Masimola telling Scopa that he had instructed Berger to come, but he didn't pitch.
5: Honorable Chair, I did uh, direct him to be here. Uh, I spoke to him uh, yesterday uh, that he be here. But as I said, he raised those concerns with me uh, yesterday. I didn't call him this morning because I expected him to be here. When I say I don't know why he is, I mean the fact that I expected him to find him here and he's not uh, here. So I did not call him this morning to find out where he is. Uh, But I made it clear to him that uh, he should be here as required by the, the committee.
1: Imagine that, your National Commissioner telling you to appear before Parliament and you don't appear. Uh, we'll hear from Lindsay again in a minute about why it has a lot to do with security concerns. But a member of, of SCOPA, the DA's Alf Fierce, say they're now more determined to see Brigadier Berger because the information that he has must be of importance to the committee.
6: So in a sense now, um, I take it that when the Commissioner spoke to the Brigadier Berger yesterday and directed him to be here... Brigadier Berger must have then agreed to come if you were expecting him to be here. Did he at that point say, I'm sorry, um, General, I shall not be attending um, despite your directive? Just want clarity on that, please. So, Mr Chairman, it's quite clear that given the safety issues, given the request for in-camera, Brigadier Berger obviously has a great deal of information that this committee would find very useful. If that were not the case, um, I don't see where there would be a safety concern. He obviously has information which um, is purportedly going to put his life and safety in in in, in um, danger, um, and and so. You know, it makes it even more, me and I think my colleagues, even more determined that we have to interrogate Brigadier Berger or at least um, gain sufficient information from him.
1: Let's speak now to Lindsay Dentlinger, our reporter in that hearing. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. What has the argument been? I'm not sure if you've been able to hear from Brigadier Berger at all, but, but why is he not there today and what are his concerns around his safety?
7: Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, I think that is the big question that still remains uh, this hour. We do not know any specifics. Uh, the committee, obviously, at the onset, very outraged that um, he would uh, just um, uh, say this to the chairperson of the committee and then not show up because it wasn't really a last-minute thing that he needed to appear here. It's been on the program for at least two weeks. The chairperson confirmed that he had um, had some kind of communication with yesterday fighting security uh, fears, the police commissioner saying the same thing. But ultimately, as you heard in that sound clip, the police commissioner says, when he arrived in parliament here today, he expected Brigadier get to be here. Uh, and then the committee had a little bit of an about turn. Uh, there was even mention of... Um, former um, uh, well, investigator, the late uh, Charles Kinnear, that particular incident was raised in this forum saying that we couldn't take security concerns likely um, and that the committee has now since resolved that they would try to speak to Brigadier Berger offline Uh, A handful of them perhaps to try to understand what the nature of these security concerns were because some MPs weren't prepared to accept um, that he didn't want to have his face Mm -hmm. shown on television to be televised. They say people already know uh, what he looks like and you know it is quite a process to have an in-camera hearing which ultimately we understand is what um, Brigadier Berger is asking for.
1: I did hear Mkuleko Klingwa, the chairperson of uh, Scopa, really concerned about the fact that uh, that this brigadier had not appeared and speaking about how we wouldn't be in this position, uh, unraveling this corruption if it weren't for, for Scopa. So obviously they feel that it is very necessary to hear from uh, this brigadier. H- how do they go forward with this now? Well, as
7: I said, the, the decision now is to see whether they can uh, uh, reach him informally and uh, try to understand what the extent or the nature of the security uh, concerns are. Um, and uh, the committee then just moving on, uh, Mandy, to this other issue, which has been um, hanging uh, in the air for quite some time and in which I think this committee wanted your brothers to come and join the dots, if you will, on this COVID intelligence report that had been compiled by um, George a uh, forensic uh, company. And you would remember that the SAPS had previously told this committee it didn't have the report. We also heard from the ESCOM board they didn't have the report. The SIU said it didn't have the report. And then today, Mandy, a little bit of a breakthrough. The SIU coming to the party saying they now have this 1,482-page report 13 sub reports and they're going through it with a fine tooth comb. And uh, the relevance of all of this, of course, Mandy, is that it's believed that Andre Dorator based a lot of his allegations, especially those that allegedly include politicians on this COVID intelligence mm. report that was carried out uh, off the books and so that is a little bit of progress if we can call it that that this committee has registered today
1: Lindsay, thank you very much Lindsay dentinger ewn reporter in parliament listening to that Scope hearing today a fascinating is, is it legitimate that the police officer is concerned about his safety it's we're dealing with the criminal cartels with an extraction network with the, the mafia uh, effectively um but should he be afraid you look at the example uh, of shalkanir the uh, police investigator who was killed for his investigations into the underworld in cape town what are your thoughts do you think that he should appear uh, or do you think he should appear in camera the
0: midday report
1: Let's stay in Parliament now. The Public Protector Inquiry resuming today. That's the inquiry into Busisiwe Mkwebane's fitness to hold office. Uh, There's been a a lot of up and down around legal fees and around Busisiwe Mkwebane's attorneys. Now the attorney um, has been admitted to hospital. So that's the one issue. The other issue is these allegations uh, that there were attempts to solicit a bribe from Busisiwe Mkwebane's husband to make this inquiry go away. And that has taken centre stage today. The EFF wants Richard Dianti to recuse himself. Babalo Denze, EWN reporter, following that for us. So Babalo, eventful morning in uh, the inquiry today.
5: Yes, indeed, Mandy. Um overshadowed overshadowed um, by these allegations of you know, bribery or soliciting a bribe and um, members of the chairperson of the committee, Richard Dianti, um, from Busisiwe Mkwebane's husband, um, Busisiwe Kwebane addressed the committee quite recent, just before it it took a break now, you know, on these allegations, saying that she really wants them to be made public in the committee. She wants to flight the WhatsApp messages. She also wants the audio of these alleged members of parliament involved in this bribery, you know, flighted in the committee. Um, Other members of, of the committee also calling for her for recusal as chairperson, Kwemane has written a letter to the chairperson personally, you know, requesting that he recuse himself because he's implicated in these allegations. Janji says this recusal can only be heard, you know, in writing and by no later on Friday and he will make his response on this recusal on Monday also in writing. And you know, he also, you know, faced a lot of flack from members of the ATM as well as the EFF. You know, with the EFF really saying that he should, you know, call on his own conscience and recuse himself. Let's just take a listen to what Julius Malema said earlier, Mandy. You know that there is an allegation of a, a bribe
8: against you, and it has been made by your member that you are soliciting a bribe. And, and therefore, uh, it doesn't have anyone uh, to be sitting here with a chairperson who's facing such serious allegations. And we ask him that. You will recuse yourself, especially from Cherry, uh, because these allegations are too serious.
1: So that's Julius Malema saying that Richard Dianti must uh, recuse himself. And then, you, as you mentioned, you've got Pusiziwe Mkwibane saying, well, I'm going to drop the WhatsApps and the files and, and the voice notes. It's a it's a heck of a thing for her to want to introduce these, particularly in light of the fact that uh, Tina Jumat-Peterson passed away earlier this week. Uh, has that come up?
5: Yes, indeed, that has come up. In fact, Julius Malema himself saying that, you know, um, this, uh, her, her unfortunate, you know, demise um, was linked to these allegations. He, you know, said it quite outright that, you know, the loss of life is due to this matter, to quote him directly. And um, so the matter has come up, but not m- as much as, you know, the ritual of the chairperson, but members of the EFF, as well as ATM, have touched on, um, you know, the late Tina Chumad Patterson's involvement in this whole saga. And members are still, you know, you know, discussing the issue right now while they've taken a, a short break. But other mm. MPs, you know, from other parties are saying that let's move ahead with this process. This is just another Stalingrad strategy by Mkwebane and there's right. no credible there's no credible public mistrust in this process. And these allegations won't make much of a difference. And let's move ahead.
1: Babalo, thank you, Babalo and Denze, EWN report, reporter. More Stalingrad. We were just talking about it. the constant delays, uh, the uh, throwing the spanner into into the spokes and trying to disrupt everything. Do you think there's legitimacy? Uh, there are WhatsApp messages. There are voice notes. Is this what? Uh, is this the evidence? If uh, Bosisiwe Mkhubane drops the files, what does it mean for her inquiry?
0: The midday report. Wendy, uh, it's here from uh, Northcliffe. Ubuzizu uh, Mkwebane is one of Zuma's uh, people, and uh, delaying tactics is their game. So, uh, like you mentioned, we've spent millions already on this inquiry and her term is ending very soon. So this is to delay that uh, she finishes the term while this matter is not concluded. We know she's one of Zuma's people, delaying tactics. I mean, today we're still talking about Zuma's inquiry that he hasn't even attended because they come up with all these delaying tactics. Now, it's, yes, we understand it's serious allegations. However, can, can it not be treated uh, with the understanding that it's not proven yet? It's not proven. Up until it's proven, then we'll respect and uh, we'll also be pushing for for the chairperson to recuse himself. However, Kwebane is one of Zuma's people.
1: Keep in mind, of course, that advocate Dalian Porfu, SC, is still representing Busisiwa and And he does know a thing or two about Stalingrad tactics, uh, having represented former President Jacob Zuma as well. An interesting tweet from uh, Tuli Madonsela, Professor Tuli Madonsela, the previous public protector, the predecessor to Busisiwa and saying... If people can be forced to recuse themselves simply because of someone claiming to be dishonestly acting on their behalf with no evidence implicating them our judges would be in trouble. Even worse is that people can hack others' WhatsApp IDs, as many of us have been scammed by people masquerading as friends or family. Hashtag just a thought. Referring there, I imagine, to the request or the the argument that Richard Dianti should recuse himself. And then a point on the costs order handed down against Jacob Zuma today, uh, being pointed out to me on Twitter that Jacob Zuma has to pay costs on the highest possible scale. And that means the judge has said that these costs are the exact costs that appear on the mandate between the attorney and his or her own client. So the, the SEA said that this cost order must not leave the winner winner one cent out of pocket. So that's a, a pretty clear finding against former President Jacob Zuma saying you're delaying this process, you have to pay every single potential cost that has been incurred by Karen Moore and Billy Downer here. So uh, a clear judgment against Jacob Zuma for constantly delaying and this is the kind of action we need to say when the criminal justice system is abused.
0: The Midday Report
1: yesterday we heard the uh, inaugural State of the City Address delivered by the Joburg Mayor, Cabelo Guamanda. He spoke about the State of the City's finances, the State of the City's infrastructure. We heard uh, opposition political parties very unimpressed by his speech and also his his handling of key issues here. Well, let's speak to News from Africa reporter Zaniko McClaba, who is watching the debate on the State of the City Address. Zaniko, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. What kind of debates are we seeing, and what kind of experience is the Joburg mayor having?
9: Uh, very good afternoon to you, Mandy. Well, things are very, very interesting here. Yeah. the journalist comes from chambers. We kicked off. Um, the, we, we kicked off about ten, thirteen, which is a bit ten, uh, about thirty minutes later. Uh, but the issues which have been raised so far, we, the councillor started tackling that issue you, you mentioned in the intro, the issue of the finances. So um, the DA came out, guns blazing, they're saying they cannot be held accountable for the failures. Um, of the city, especially in regards to the finances. Therefore, the ANC should take responsibility for that. And also, the ANC responded obviously rebating those allegations, saying that the issues of finances in the city are very, very much. Uh, linked to that administration which was led by the coalition partners under uh, the DA so that was the first thing. Uh, the second other issue which was raised by the DA was the issue of entities. an issue that was not mentioned much um, uh, at, at the speech by the mayor, the issue uh, the deal was written was the fact that well the city has two main entities such as pinitab uh, city power therefore a review of the state of those entities must be must must have an agent so that um, the city can be able to spend money where they be able to to identify efficiency of those entities and then the other issue came in a bit later on the issue of unemployment um, unemployment in the city. Some of the opposition parties were raising the fact that, well, the plan that was delivered by the mayor was not practical, it was not innovative, therefore, it does not speak to the issue, it does not give clear direction as to how the mayor is definitely, will definitely solve the unemployment issue in the city. Uh, oh, some, some reaction from yesterday as well uh, the same issues you have raised that the issue of employment in this country uh, is a broad national issue, so therefore, the city as to an a clear teacher that zooms into the unemployment issues in the city of Johannesburg, saying that there must be creative means, and creative methods to deal with that issue. So those were the key things that have come out so far. here at the mm. Council. The council right now is in a 10-minute break. Uh, at about um, 1 o'clock, they will take a much bigger break. But so far, the opposition party seems to have prepared, and also the. Um, so remember that you are dealing with two factions here. There's a side that is um, that has the EFF, the ANC. Um, AIC and of course Al Jamad. Then we have that the A Coalition partners with the IFP, at the right. SA. So those two sides are definitely backing it up, but they seem to have thanked. they seem to have um, done their part and they're providing Mm. solutions. It will be be very interesting then to see what the mayor is able to respond to some of the issues right so far.
1: Ziniko, there was some backlash for the mayor for the fact that he didn't pitch for some media interviews after the State of the City address. Uh, Is he personally responding to the, the debate himself and does he seem to have a grasp of the fundamental issues that were contained in his speech? Because the DA and the Action is are saying that they felt like somebody else wrote the speech for him. He didn't know what was in it.
9: That's very interesting. Um, maybe I remember two days ago, there was a press. Press briefing um, of the speaker. And in that press, uh, press briefing, the speaker told us that the mayor would engage with us as the media immediately after the speech yesterday. However, that did not happen. 30 minutes before the anticipated media briefing, we sent message on the group as media that, well, the press briefing that was scheduled will not take place. And then the where maybe also remember that Action SA had threatened the mayor um, with, the, with the fact that they'll present the motion of North Carolina. Should the mayor not address all those allegations during his state um, of the city address, the mayor did not engage. Uh, the media and the councillors and those educations just came on stage delivered his speech and left and then we we're told that the mayor is not feeling well so that has not happened he has not engaged the media directly however and uh, M mmc's and his letters have, have been closing and granted especially both from the amc lois omasovic defended the mayor saying mm. that if they are there as the MMCs, therefore there's no need for the mayor to really engage so we'll see uh, however, we're promised that the mayor will engage with the members of the media after the, after the debate. So we'll see if that will happen Interesting. After, um, uh, after, uh, after today's
1: debate. Zaniko, thank you. Zaniko Mkhlaba, Newsroom Africa reporter, speaking to us there about the debate on the State of the City Address. Usually what happens, and from my uh, experience, is that after the State of the City Address or State of the Province Address, the mayor or the premier will do a round of media interviews. will face questions, will come on media platforms and explain what's going on, Currently, I'm is
0: The midday report.
1: Well, let's look at bus operations in the city of Twane because bus operations being suspended due to a strike by workers affiliated to some the South African Municipal Workers Union. They're striking over a salary increases and over time, the Twane bus service management saying the strike is illegal. It will institute labour processes to ensure that bus operators return to duty and that normal operations resume. Have a listen to the city of Tuane spokesperson, Lindela Machejo.
8: The toilet bus service remains suspended following the abandoning of yesterday afternoon's shift by the Samo affiliated drivers. Yesterday afternoon, the city issued a 48-hour ultimatum by which the drivers are expected to return to duty. The ultimatum was sent to Samo regional office with the expectation that the workers' union would direct its members to fulfill their work obligation. To this end, the city has not received any formal grievance from the bus drivers. The strike has affected a customer base which gets services from 160 buses on weekdays. With workers haven't showed up for today's morning shift, it is not yet clear if this afternoon shift will resume. Therefore, commuters are again urged to seek alternative transport arrangements. The city deems the abandoning of post as an illegal action and intends to deal with the absconding employees through the municipality's labour processes. As soon as there is an indication of the resumption of bus operations, the city will communicate accordingly. The city has received claims of intimidation from bus drivers who do not align themselves with the stoppage underway and would like to denounce such acts. Swania profusely apologizes to commuters who have been adversely affected by the strike.
1: That is the City of Tswane spokesperson, Lindela Masheho. Let's get response to that now from Valentine matlatla who is the Deputy Regional Secretary for Samu. Valentine, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. You were listening into that clip, the City of Tswane spokesperson saying this is an illegal strike that those who have embarked on the strike have absconded. What is your reaction to that? Okay,
4: thanks for having us now on the, on the media now the media space. But maybe it's important that we highlight something very important that I think I did pick up to say members affiliated to Samu, or rather drivers, bus drivers are the ones that are on strike. But we need to put it clear that uh, it's really premature, or rather unfortunate, that the city will then deem this as only members from Samu that are not operational. But rather we say bus Drivers, all of them, are now in the yard. And I'm saying this because we're sitting uh, at TBS now. And we've been waiting here for management since 9 o'clock. To now, they've not even arrived. They've Valentine,
1: even, I have to bring you back to my, my original question. Yes. Is this a legal strike or is it an illegal strike?
4: Look, it's not a strike at all. And and I want to put it there on record to say it's not a strike. Management promised that they will come and have a word with workers today. Since 9 o'clock to now, they've not even arrived. They've not even phoned us. We're still waiting. We've been trying to get hold of them so that we can talk to the issues. That's where we are now.
1: So if it's not a strike, Valentina, how would you define it? How would you describe it if the bus drivers are not driving their buses?
4: No, bus drivers cannot drive their buses if management promises that they will come and see them. And they are not coming. Basically, we're waiting. Up until the start meeting and we resolve on all the issues that are, are, are said by members, then yes, we will be able to say workers will then go back to work but right so now is it a stay away
1: is it a? Is it not a strike is it uh, um, have you put in leave for the day to go to the meeting how exactly would you define this
4: no we, we didn't put in leave we are at work waiting for management to pitch and management is not pitching at all so that's where we are until first time that they arrive here at TBS then we will know whether we should go back to work or not go back to work.
1: Lindela Macheco is saying there that that the city has not received any kind of notice about a potential strike from Samoa. Is that accurate?
4: Uh, Look, if I say yes or no to that, it might give us a challenge because I just submitted that we are not on site. But what Lindela Macheco didn't put correctly to the media here is that they have not received any grievances which is a lie because two weeks back we had a meeting with management and we're talking about management at corporate level, not only at the departmental level. And they know the bus driver's uh, grief in this regard.
1: Okay, so if management comes to speak to the drivers today, will you go back to work? Will there be an afternoon shift today?
4: Definitely, yes. That, that is our anticipation as, as the workers. We believe that we want to go back to work. We're waiting for management to hear us and then that because they promised that they'll be here today and they've not been here. To now
1: the city has also said and as you heard in that clip there that there were incidents of intimidation as far as you are aware have working bus drivers been intimidated and are some members responsible for that
4: look uh, I, I i assume that is what they are alleging uh, and the same will allege that they are lying because no one has ever even come to us or other to employ and say I'm, I'm being intimidated from where i am and i'm saying this because i said before we are standing here at 20 bus service as leaders from the union. There's no one here from management, and no one here is intimidated. Workers are waiting for management. And I'm talking all employees, those affiliated to SAMU, those affiliated to Imadu, those who do not belong to anyone who are belonging to the agency. So we are all waiting here for management.
1: So, Valentine, last question. I just want to make sure I understand this. Is this a formal process that you are pursuing by your drivers and the other drivers that aren't affiliated to someone by deciding to not drive buses today? Is this some kind of formal process? Have you followed the proper channels as set out by the labour relations processes?
4: And that would be correct because, remember, in terms of the Labour Relations Act, what should be happening is that workers are entitled to have two hours of engaging with their union. And in this instance, we've been here waiting for management to just come and address us on certain issues so that workers can go back to work. So, yes, we are following the Labour Relations
1: Act. Valentin Mitlatla, thank you very much. Uh, the Deputy Regional Secretary uh, for Samu speaking to us there. It's not a strike. He says it's not a strike. I'm not sure how he defined it, if you could understand what he was saying about that. He's saying that they just want to meet with management, so they're not driving the buses. Uh, it's not just Samu members. It's all of the bus drivers are not by- driving their buses, but it's not a strike. Uh, the city is saying it is an illegal strike, uh, but there are no buses at the moment in, in Suwani. What, what do you think about that? If you're a bus commuter, uh, does that... Uh, Do you appreciate the plight of the drivers? Do you feel they followed the right process here? The city saying they don't know at this stage if there's going to be an afternoon shift today. So I can't tell you, and I'm not sure that uh, someone could tell you at this stage whether or not there will be an afternoon shift. But we did hear from Valentine saying if management comes to speak to them, they'll go back to driving their buses.
0: The Midday Report.
1: Lots of voice notes coming in responding to various topics we've been talking about, uh, specifically around Stalingrad and the judgment against former president Jacob Zuma with costs. Uh, we'll play some of those in a second. but. Listen to this tweet from Gooseberry. Daniel Porfu is losing more cases than Kaiser Chiefs under Arthur Zwane. I'm sorry for uh, Chiefs fans, but it had to happen. And Ms. Mswanele Mani, who is still the spokesperson for the Jacob Zuma Foundation, but who is also being sworn in as an EFF MP, remember. Uh, He has uh, tweeted uh, and has said to the media and on the Zuma Foundation Twitter account, it says, His Excellency, President Zuma they still call him President Zuma, will appeal this bizarre judgment by the Peter Maritzburg High Court as regards the private prosecution of Advocate Downer and Karen Moore and in response to that, saying, you'll lose this as well because there are no merits to it. It's just more wasting of time, more money, more Stalingrad.
4: Good day, Mandy. Yo, Mandy, Melissa Latifo and Jacob Zuma, Yo, those two don't respect the courts. Eh? They just take the courts for granted. It's like it's a playing ground for them. And I think it's about time the courts take uh, decisive measures against them. Good judgments uh, today. Kennedy, enjoy work.
1: Uh, Kennedy, Maricela Tsefo, and Jacob Zuma. Same, same WhatsApp group at this point when it comes to the criminal justice system.
4: The Midday
5: Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently.
1: If you were listening to the Sports Bulletin earlier with Tola we were speaking about this big shock about turn that has been made by the PGA Tour, agreeing to merge with its rival, Live Golf. It's backed by the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund. It's an entity that is controlled by the Saudi Crown Prince. And this has been a long running civil war in 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 golf because uh, you had the PGA tour and the commissioner Jay Monahan speaking out and uh, a lot of the golfers that went to live golf were not allowed to play in the P- on the PGA tour now there is this merger um, and uh, it's just shocking, really. I think a lot of people reacting very emotionally to what has happened. Uh, the six-time major winner, Phil Mickelson, uh, was the most high-profile player to defect from the PGA to to live golf. Uh, he lost sponsors over the decision. He was widely criticized. So that's the one side of it. The other side, you've got Rory McElroy who turned down 400 million dollars and he's been so outspoken and uh, we heard yesterday that this decision did not involve any of the players so let's unpack this a bit further with OG Molefe Supersport Golf Correspondent and Commentator OG we're seeing a lot of emotional reaction to this Uh, take us through how some of the some of the fans, some people are feeling about this
10: Good afternoon Mandy Um, Livetour has been such a polarising tour since it's uh, came to the fore about 18 months ago. Um, and as you rightfully say, uh, lots of mixed reactions from players. I think those on the left tour side of things, pretty much happy that they kind of made what they seem to think is the right decision to have taken the money. Um, and there's a lot of guys who fought for the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan himself, who had said, you know, morally it's incorrect to join the Southern back league. Um, that uh, players that support the PGA Tour, they would do everything to support them and help them. And, I mean, if anything, has kind of helped the P- some of the PGA Tour players as well because they've now seen increased price funds in some of their tournaments. Um, but this came as a big shock, I mean, for the entire golf world and especially for the players who have back Monaghan in the PGA Tour and to think that they were not even, you know, told about this decision until they read about it on Twitter as some of them mm-hmm. said. Um, I think for them, they feel um, a little bit let down by what Jay Monaghan was preaching a year ago mm. at the RBC Canadian Open where they are this week.
1: Rory McElroy has very much been the poster boy, for, uh, for PGA defending him we're expecting him to to speak out today we haven't heard from him yet what do you expect him to say how, how does he even begin to to
6: react
10: I think this is probably the most anticipated um, press conference in a while in golf to hear what Rory's going to say because he has indeed been the the poster boy. Um, We've seen in recent times, he says um, this issue in itself has taken quite a big toll on him personally and mentally as well. Um, He pulled out of a couple of events because he said he needed a break and he hasn't been playing as well as most people expect for one of the top five players in the world. And he finally came out to say all the stuff that was carrying on his shoulders has finally taken a toll. And you know, for having turned down four hundred million dollars, and only to be told that listen, um, the guys that we kicked out of the tour, you're not going to be able to play with them. Um, it's a big letdown. Uh, there was a big players meeting um, at the at the Canadian Open yesterday. I mean, reports are, are kind of sketchy, but it, it said that he was involved in a war of words with a couple of the lower ranked players. Um, and I'm sure that will come up in the press conference which should be around 18.35 our time so we're certainly looking forward to that Uh, but if anything I think himself and Tiger Woods were the biggest backers of the PGA Tour turned down close to $1.5 billion together if you think about it Um, and for them to be let down like this we really look forward to what they're going to have to say about this whole move
1: OG, thank you so much. Uh, Oji Mulefe, Supersport golf correspondent and commentator, unpacking that big shock announcement, shockwaves really, is the only way to describe it. I'm looking forward to what Rory McIlroy has to say and I wonder if there will be some kind of player revolt uh, or will they just say, well, there's more money coming in. Uh, Same thing has happened in F1. Uh, Saudi money has come in. Same thing has happened in in football. Uh, We've just seen uh, big signings for for Saudi Arabian teams. Uh, So I think that that is uh, going to elicit a lot of very emotional uh, reactions from triumph to condemnation you're going to see it all
0: the midday report
1: that's a wrap of the day's news don't forget you can catch the full midday report live on 702 and cape talk via our streams on youtube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at eyewitness news till the next time i'm mandy wiener
0: the midday report